Do we need a plantation Negro Rico? Yes, we do. We need a Negro Rico. Banishment of the hood rat whorehouse shower cap track phone Wolverine nail mentality that writes that starts off right at the plantation. Hey, I'm the lowest rung of society. Let me twerk for justice. Twerk for the race soldiers. Let me get some attention. Any man of magnitude would be a sick, sorry sycophant to even consider passing his genetic legacy to something like this. Twerking her funky ass on a cop car. I would scrub my hood with bleach and kerosene afterwards. Many people think it's entertainment and it's not. This is out of the Black Lives Matter Corporation playbook. Total submission, waving the white flag. This is the common Minneapolis weed rodent bird brain that wants everybody to see her go viral. And she's just an example, not the root problem. The root problem is demented and the rubbish idea that it is empowerment and success. This is the Negro demanding respect. And if that cop slapped her on her ass and snatched her 150 miles per hour off the hood of that car, you would have a whole bunch of Biden butt kissers out there with their cameras talking about free Bushika. No Bushika needs some home training because her mama ain't got none. And her daddy probably sitting somewhere with a pipe or some, I don't know what he's doing. I'm going to need some music on this one. This is going to be a long one. Work for 12 for what? You got a price tag? What value were you sharing and showing the men? And that's not the root issue. Look who was in the background supporting it. This wasn't in a club. It was outside in front of a place where families could have brought their children for breakfast. A while back, some hood rats trashed somebody's restaurant downtown. Now, I'm not sure if the race soldiers were bothering them. Minnesota, we got a big hood rat problem. And that's because of the lack of male leadership enforcing the code of conduct. You dusty garbage bin Negroes will sleep with anything with good hair and a high yellow face or that has an apartment. And that sends a message to the hood rats that they don't have to abide by any code of conduct nor standard. I blame the dudes and the bastard baby civil rights generation for all of this. All you pro-abortion anti-responsibility Jerome's running around talking about this ain't my baby but yeah I don't wear condom ass type of niggas this is the replica of you bringing this into this world Minnesota is no man's land this is Negro no man's sky and this makes it bad for the rest of us I'm talking about the good sisters that don't do this this ain't about being the moral police this is just a quick code of conduct check even the cop was disappointed. She's looking at him at her like, get your funky ass off of my damn car. Sisters, all this twerk for the cop stuff has to go. Y'all need to be gathering information when you around these people. That same guy that you was twerking on his car, he might take you off the planet, pull you over. So it's, let me shake my funky ass on a car. Oh, I'm disrespecting 12. No, you're submitting to 12. 
That's the 12 twerkers. We're going to give y'all a new name. That's the 12 twerkers. And we've seen this vile and disgusting nature across the nation. Every time a white person shows up, Negroes got to perform. Put a camera in front of a hood rat and she has to perform. Brothers and sisters, this is plantation spirit. This is plantation spirit. Let's get y'all some music here. Black men, y'all think that's cute? Do we got any 12 twerker supporters listening tonight? Where y'all at? Well, man, leave her alone. She's having fun. Where all the having fun Negroes at? I'm just asking. Where's all the having fun Negroes at that don't agree that this is plantation spirit? Y'all co-signing this? I'm just wondering, y'all co-signing this? And this is the kind of hate behavior that you get this from. This is a prime example. Over the phone is crazy. I need my phone. I need my phone. There you go. Whorehouse hood rat behavior. Hey, I need my phone. Let me spray this teacher. That's still cute for y'all. Is that is that cute for y'all? Y'all co-sign that? Is y'all liking that? Meanwhile, you have situations like this. I'm not driving on I just gave no, you the registration, sir. I am I'm on seventy-five. Wait till the second people come here or something. Hold on just a second just, because we're gonna get this straight now. You need to call the clerk's office. We have a just, we have a court case going on right now. You are wrong. Sir, okay, hold on. He is not resisting and he's pulling my husband. He is pulling my husband. This is unlawful force. This is unlawful force. This is unlawful force. This is unlawful force. You need to calm down. Ma'am, I'm trying to figure out where we are. I don't know what my latitude now this is a black couple being assaulted by a race soldier on the side of the highway now listen to this very closely here listen to the the plea for assistance they, that they get from everybody else that don't even know the damn situation while y'all out here twerking on cop cars you got brothers and sisters out here in these kind of situations they're in the devil's den. 
and y'all think it's cute to twerk on cop cars. The 12 twerkers think it's real cute. They think that's a win. They think that's women empowerment. I don't know where we are. We, it says I'm by Georgia State 401. I have no clue. I'm going to put you on speaker. See how quick the other race soldiers do you see how quick they self deputize themselves? do you need help Now, could you imagine the 12 twerkers? Can you imagine them? Can you imagine the 12 twerkers? I can. I sure could. But they wouldn't want nobody like this. It wasn't enough that you said you wouldn't be with a bus driver unless he owns the bus. Okay, all right, fine. So then you went and slept on it and then you came back and said, we have been indoctored into white supremacy because we want to be with a man that is a blue collar worker. I'm saying it respectfully. You said some other foolishness, but we gonna get on that. So now you sitting up here telling us who have blue collar workers that we're married to, who have kings that have built foundations, own property, own businesses, that we doing it wrong, but you doing it right and you done hit the wall. You done hit the wall, mommy. You done hit the wall. Go sit down. Go sit down. Go buy you a dog. Go sit down. You doing foolery. You telling these young girls what? This is the nonsense that I talk about on social media. Please, you are dismissed. That's your future 12 twerkers. That's their future. The sister was breaking it down. They gonna be in situations like that. They gonna be on that Ebony K stuff probably. Well, yeah, this is women empowerment here. This is women empowerment. Okay. We'll see how that works out for you.
We'll see how that works out for you. Here's another clip I want to play for the 12 twerkers. I'm doing this for a reason, y'all. They think it's a game. Now, you have a race soldier that was supposed to give this brother a ticket. She don't want to let him go on his way. And so... The mother basically noticed that this race soldier had a Blue Lives Matter flag scarf on. Now... Somebody posted this online saying that these are illegal under federal law and most state laws. The blue line flag scarf. I'm not sure if that's true, but this is, this is the situation that they had. Any of your questions, give him your ticket. This officer is right here harassing my son. She already has his driver's license, registration, and car insurance in her hand. She's asking if he's on parole or probation, and he has to answer her. He said, no, he's not on parole or probation. I said, go give him the ticket, and she will not. She's just standing there. What are you waiting for, ma'am? For what? For a traffic violation? Okay, but you're making this dangerous. You're escalating it. Go give my my son his ticket, and we will take care of this in court. You will not be the judge and executioner on this property right here. You will not. Go give my son his ticket. You have his ID. You can easily run his ID and see if he's on probation or parole. Not this child. Then go do your job. Why are you standing there? Why, and why are you holding on to your gun? Why? Your hand is on your gun. Go run his ID. I'm being violent. See how she's trying to do that? Verbally aggressive. You will not change this up. You will not create the narrative here that we've been seeing on the news. If he ran a stop sign, that's what you're saying. We will have Y'all, she tried to say the sister was being violent. She tried to pull a all, she tried to pull a I'm white and I say so right in the middle of the conversation where you're being violent. She said, wait a minute, am I being violent? Or you're being verbally aggressive. Y'all have dealt with some of these Karens at work. You get to work and they start saying they, oh, well, you're, you're, you're getting aggressive. You haven't raised your voice. I haven't raised my voice, man, ma'am. Oh, you know, but you're being ecstatic. Okay, I'm not ecstatic. I'm very calm. You don't sound calm to me. They'll make up the story as they go along. Yeah, Christopher Columbus found found North America. Any any given thing, any given time. Happily take the ticket, but I will not allow my son to stand here in front of you with his your hand on your gun. That will not happen. He's not leaving. He's standing right here. My son is not leaving. No, he's standing on our property line. We own this house. He's standing on our property line. You said he ran a stop sign, right? Go give him the ticket, and then you can leave in due time. You guys, she done called for black backup and everything. Y'all share this video, because my son will not be the next hashtag. Not going to happen. If, he's, if you're not going to give him the ticket, we're not going to stay out here. Then go give him the ticket. No, I'm not leaving my son in your hands with your hand on your gun. So the race soldier said, 
He's these are Gestapo tactics. And you got Negroes doing this. This is what you got Negroes doing. There's another hood rat that's twerking on the front of the car. You got one on the car. Yeah. Meanwhile, now these, now these, now everybody say justice for George Floyd, right? Are these, are these justice for George Floyd folks out here? Is he some justice for George Floyd Negroes out here? Were they running around here talking about justice for George Floyd and they can't contain themselves like a bunch of plantation mammies twerking on a cop car? Is that woman empowerment? Just wondering. Meanwhile, you got some of our people in real situations. Niggas think it's a game. That same cop pulled him over put a bullet in their head, they're going to be talking about, oh, don't do this. And these are the same ones that do this too. These are the same ones that do the same same thing. It's the same bunch. Here you go. I'll work to go get a DNA test because she want to keep smoking weed. I'm trying to find out who the baby daddy is. How are you so sure it's his, man? I'm 100%. You didn't have sex with anyone else during that time? Please. No. Oh my God. 12 twerkers. You know something different? You say you saw evidence that she was in her phone I'm or something? I'm looking in her phone. I don't see number new men. So she's showing new everything. New men? No, she's showing everything. She know that's why she laughed. Is that true? I'm laughing, Sit yeah. Up straight. They Sit up straight. They you're think not... that I was pretty. No, you're not cute at all. Now, she's sitting up there leaning over. This is 12 twerker mentality. See, I gotta, I gotta update y'all on the lexicon real quick. Minneapolis ain't gonna call it out. I will. Minneapolis ain't gonna call it out. Niggas like that shit. Niggas, niggas was clapping and yeah, turn the music on. We ain't got no music. Nigga, I got some music. I got, I got perfect music for you, nigga. We got the Bagland podcast for you. Got perfect music. Straight. Sit think, up straight. They not, think that I was pretty. No, you're not cute at all. Lying to this man about his child, as you believe it to be, threatening, a, telling, lying to him, telling him he, you had an abortion of his child, knowing that it was his child. Let me see the results. Playing games. You gonna take care of your child if yes, you're sure? I take care of my other son. That's why I believe she was trying to. Put her baby on because I know she, she know you're a responsible father. After doing six years in jail, you came home, good. got my own place, my own car, pay all my bills, and got a nice job. Good, good. Let me right, give you this and that, so you can tell that other man all that. That's not his child. Have a good day. Now she's sitting up there with her mouth open. Looking like she could put something in it. I won't say the name. Interesting. Now, all those lies came to a huge surprise, but she wasn't surprised. She just thought that she was going to have a plane ticket. 
Baby, he was the last train leaving. He was the last train leaving. After this one. Ain't no music. Here's your music. So you can tell that other man all that. That's not his child. Yeah. Here goes your music. 12 twerkers. Justice for George Floyd twerking on the cop car. Biden butt kisser. There you go. Yeah. That's the profile. I'm giving y'all a few bars tonight. That's the profile. Same, same one. Same bunch. Ain't no different. I guarantee you they have the same story. There's a direct correlation from those with the mentality of the 12 twerker to, pl- to, to, to correlate exactly what I just played for you. And I know plenty of men that could attest to that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Rats lives matter. Meanwhile, let me bring up another case. Oh, we gonna, we gonna keep it on Minnesota tonight. Yes, sir. We sure are. We gonna keep it on Minnesota. I got another case. I got another update. While you twerking on the cop car. Here we go. To accept a- Tomorrow, an ex-Minneapolis police officer is expected to accept a plea deal for this. This video shows the officer beating a man during the unrest following the murder of George Floyd. New tonight, that man told our Jennifer Merrily he thinks the former officer is about to get off easy. While it is a resolution, it's not a favorable one. Jaleel Stallings objects to a plea deal for what happened in this video from May of 2020. Former Minneapolis police officer Judson Stetson is accused of kicking and punching Stallings in the head repeatedly and slamming his head on the ground. I saw this as an opportunity to rebuild trust within the community. I saw this as an opportunity to hold everyone accountable and I did not see that happening. Stetson is accused of felony assault in the beating. The potential deal would keep the ex-officer out of jail and he'd avoid a felony. Did you see that 12 twerkers? While you're twerking on the cop car, you had a situation where this brother tried to defend himself against what he thought was the jump out boys. He thought he probably thought they were some race soldiers hopping out on him. He didn't know they were law enforcement and they tended, they actually were race soldiers. So a plea deal, basically this cop gets don't get no time. You want to twerk on his car? Go ahead. You want to twerk on his car too? Look how disappointed the officer looks. These dusty hood rats is twerking on my car. They're twerking on my car. He said, I want to get the police face. Do you hear these Negroes? They're really thinking that this is justice. They're really think they're flexing. They think they're flexing. Conviction. I felt like this is being far too lenient and basically just give them a way out. 
um, I feel like it doesn't deter negative actions from any other police officers that may look, be looking to find. And it doesn't, because while the while the hood rats are tw- are twerking on the cop car, that could be them. They could be a Jaleel Stallings, or they could be a Boutique Jones, or whatever. They could be somebody where they just get pulled over. Oh, we, you know, there's civil unrest. Let's go knock, let's go knock this hair hat off of this hood rat. And then now everybody's running around town. Oh, justice for Bushika, justice for Bushika. You see what I'm saying? That that could be them. Oh man, you know, this ain't right, and all this and that and the third and all that. They're not taking this, they're not really taking this as a real race war. They're not looking at it from the standpoint like, damn, man, that could be me. They're playing out here. Now, the city of Minneapolis paid Stallings 1.5 tick, 1.5, you know, million dollar settlement last year. You know, um, but he's like, okay, this dude ain't going to jail. So what they try to do is they probably said, okay, we gonna cut you a check, but this cop ain't going to jail. Oh, in those same footsteps. Stallings himself was at one point charged with attempted murder stemming from the same incident. A jury acquitted him after he says he shot back after being struck with a less lethal round. When he realized it was police, he says he dropped his gun and laid yeah, on the Yeah, they're in a white van. If somebody bucks at me, I'm bucking back. officers that may look, be looking to follow in those same footsteps. Stallings himself was at one point charged with attempted murder stemming from the same incident. A jury acquitted him after he see I see I seen them slide off look they're pulling up they don't know who you are they shot at him he shot back fair trade now pay this man his money and give that race soldier five years they think these folks right here While she's spreading, while she's spreading her sweaty crotch all over the car. You got people dealing with real situations out here. They could have killed this brother. At one point, they charged Stallings. They, they charged the brother with attempted murder stemming from the incident. The jury acquitted him after he says he shot back after being struck with a less lethal round. When he realized it was a police, he dropped his gun and laid on the ground, which he did. I seen him do that. And there was a video. Thank God there was a video that showed it. Dred Scott North, y'all. Dred Scott North. Do your thing, bitch. Ain't no music. Ain't no music. Do your thing. There you go. That's who's gonna be. That's gonna be. That's gonna be continuing the genetic legacy of the black race. Oh, we in trouble. We in, we in major trouble. Do we need a Negro Rico? Yes, we do. Yes, we do.
Now let's go into another subject. Let's go into another subject. But before we do, I have to do, I have to do one of my, signature sounds because I didn't really give her the respect that she needed. I didn't give her the respect that such a demon needed. So I have to play this only I, I must. May Carolyn Bryant rot slow. Oh yeah. I've I've started I started this signature sound on my podcast for a few episodes now. And we heard brother TBA, he ended up playing the song. I say yeah. I'm going to keep it up. I want to read an article from June 29, 2022. And I'm going to break down the real reason. The black media already broke it down, but I'm going to break down the real reason why Demon Bryant that's the new name for her. Carolyn the Demon Bryant. May she rest in piss. Why she was let go. This is not going to be comfortable at all. Now by the Associated Press. This article came out June 29, 2022. 9.04 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And they said a team searching a Mississippi courthouse basement for evidence about the lynching of Emmett Till has found the unserved warrant charging a white woman in his 1955 kidnapping and relatives of the victim want authorities to finally arrest her 70 years later. A warrant for the arrest of Carolyn Demon Bryant, identified as Miss Roy Bryant, the demon and mother of white supremacy, on the document was discovered last week, they're talking about past tense, by searchers inside a file folder that has been placed in a box. LaFleur County Clerk LaFleur LaFleur County Circuit Clerk El Mistakil told the Associated Press on Wednesday documents are kept inside boxes by decade he said but there was nothing else to indicate where the warrant dated August 29, 1955 might have been they narrowed it down between the 50s and the 60s and got lucky said Stockhill who certified the warrant is genuine now they're telling you that this warrant was genuine. All right. So the murder warrant should still stand. The search group included members of the Emmett Till Legacy Foundation and two Till relatives, cousin Deborah Watts, head of the foundation, and her daughter Terry Watts. Relatives want authorities to use the warrant 
to arrest the demon who at the time of the slaying was married to one of two white men tried and acquitted just weeks after Till was abducted. Serve her and charge her, Terry Watts said. That was Terry Watts. Okay, remember that name, Terry Watts. Now, Keith Bochamp, whose documentary film, The Untold Story of Emmett Till, preceded a renewed Justice Department probe that ended without charge in 2007, was also part of the search. He said there's enough new evidence to prosecute her. Okay. Evidence indicates a woman, possibly the demon Carolyn, identified Till to the men who later killed him. The arrest warrant against Donham was publicized at the time, but the LaFleur County Sheriff told reporters he did not want to bother the woman since she had two children to, two children to care for. 12 twerkers. Where you at? For you 12 twerkers twerking on a cop car, shaking your ass. Do you think that if you did this to a white woman, let's pretend the white woman was Emmett Till. Do you think that the sheriff would not bother you? Or will he charge your black ass? They charge you. DA Dwayne Richardson, whose office would prosecute the case, declined comment on the warrant, but cited a December report about the Till case for the Justice Department, which said no prosecution was possible. They said no prosecution was possible with a murder warrant that's genuine in hand. Terry Watts said the Till family believes the warrant accusing her of kidnapping amounts to new evidence, which it does. It said now in her 80s and most recently living in North Carolina, Carolyn has not commented publicly on calls for a prosecution. Of course, she's not going to say nothing. So let's. So who is District Attorney Dwayne Richardson? Let's look and see who this is. Let's see who this is. Up, oh, some coon, some sambo. He didn't want a prosecutor. He knows what happened to Emmett Till. Then it says, contacted by the Associated Press on Wednesday, LaFleur County Sheriff Ricky Barnes said, this is the first time I've known about a warrant. Banks, who was seven years old when Till was killed, said nothing was said about a warrant when a former DA investigated the case five or six years ago. I will see if I can get a copy of the warrant and get with the DA and get their opinion on it, Banks said. If the warrant can still be served, Banks said he would have to talk to law enforcement officers in the state where Don Ham resides. A murder warrant is a murder warrant. When they come to arrest black folks, they don't ask about what state they're at. And, oh, let's talk to the let's talk to the county. Let's talk to this person. Let's see if it could be served. No, if somebody's wanted for murder on a murder warrant, it doesn't matter how long it is. Y'all went and got Bill Cosby and he didn't murder nobody. Listen to this. Arrest warrants can go stale due to the passage of time and change of circumstances. And one from 1955 almost certainly wouldn't pass muster before a court, even if a sheriff agreed to serve it. You know, as much as the Biden butt kissers and you 12 twerkers, you would think that, hey, 
let me at least try to get some niggas to vote. But see, it was more, it, it wasn't about a vote. It wasn't about getting black folks to come out and vote. This was about a point that a young black boy in 1955 that was kidnapped and tortured, he can't get no justice. So what they're really telling you is your little children, your little black children can't get no justice. That's why no, no, no damn dusty hood rat shouldn't be twerking on a cop car. They're talking about the murder warrant can go stale. Oh, oh, the sheriff has to agree. Oh, even if the sheriff doesn't agree, it can muster the pass during court. But combined with any new evidence, the original arrest warrant absolutely can be an important stepping stone toward establishing probable cause for a new prosecution. This is a murder warrant. This ain't stealing from the candy store. This ain't stealing from the candy store. And here's one of the main reasons why we ain't getting no damn justice. Negroes like his cousin, Willer Parker. I'm going to read his coon ass statement in a minute. Till who was from Chicago was visiting relatives in Mississippi when he entered the store. When Carolyn then was 21 was working on August 24th, 1955. A Till relative who was there, Willer Parker, told AP that Till whistled at the woman. Donham testified in court that Till also grabbed her and made a lewd comment. Now, we know the rest of the story. But I want you to hear this. We know the rest of the story. But listen to this here. Shot. I hold my eyes and they're passing by me because they were looking for Fat Boy, the Fat Boy from Chicago. They went to the next room and found Simeon and Emmett and they told him to get up and he got up and he was putting on his shoes and they said, hurry up. And he said, I'm not used to putting on my shoes without my socks. Brian was not the leader. His half-brother J.W. Myron was in control. He was running, taking care of his little brother and showing him how he's supposed to be an expert in handling uh, people that got out of line. He said he did it in the military. My grandfather tried to uh, tell them don't take him. The boy didn't have good sense or something of that nature. My grandmother offered them money. Fair use, ABC News. And ABC News wasn't calling for her arrest any uh, um, um, either. CNN wasn't calling for arrest. Fox wasn't calling for arrest. Biden's DOJ wasn't calling for, for her arrest. None of these Negroes. Uh, I haven't heard nothing from Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson. I have not heard niggas chomping at the bit when this murder warrant came out. And they all knew about it. They all knew about it. None of these Negroes was really stomping and saying, look, yo, this, 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 this filthy piece of trash needs to be arrested. She needs to rot to death doing a life sentence. No matter how old she is, we don't give a damn. She didn't, nobody said that. You didn't hear your rappers. You didn't hear these Negroes either. You didn't hear them.
Yeah. You don't hear niggas like that either. They don't care. Now listen to this here. January 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Now remember when they did that? Earlier show limited docu-series Brooks Studios and Capital Entertainment. The series tells the story of Mamie Till Mobley, the mother of Emmett Till and her fight to seek justice in a brutal death of her son. The special limited docu-series premiering January 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern on ABC. Then they came out, was that ABC? They came out with a little mini-series. And in between the commercials, you had all this little funny style I don't know. It was some weird little feminist commercials and all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, okay, who's talking about trying to prosecute this devil? Who's doing that? Nobody. You didn't hear the immigrant black caucus. They wasn't talking about she should be prosecuting. This is one of the worst things that happened to a child in the history of the United States of America. Yet you didn't hear. I mean, you didn't hear nothing. I didn't hear none of these Negroes really stomping for it. Let the world see January 6, 13 and 20, 2022. ABC, 9 o'clock Central. But they ain't talking about, they're just showing, oh, she was so strong and justice and this, that, and the third. But they would not say, hey, where's, 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 where's that demon at? Where's Demon Brian at? They weren't saying that. Now listen to this. That you were looking for this slide. Joining us now are two cousins of Till who met with the FBI today, Reverend Wheeler Parker Jr. and Ollie Gordon. We thank you so much for joining us tonight. We know uh, that this was certainly a, a difficult day, not the outcome that you were looking for. When the FBI told you that they were going to hold a press conference and make an announcement, it, what did you initially think that you would hear, Ms. Gordon? I thought that I would hear exactly what I heard is that uh, there was not sufficient evidence to bring new charges and therefore the case would be closed with no new information found. And, and Reverend Parker, how do you think that, that Mamie uh, would respond uh, to today's announcement? Having listened to her uh, previous prior speeches, uh, she was okay. Uh, she said that they were just about out of her mind. They were not controlling her, and she, God took hate out of her life uh, shortly after that happened, and she took the lemon, and she made lemonade, that's the term I use, and she was busy uh, serving. We were, we were put here on earth to serve, help one another, and that's what she did. You see? This is one of the major reasons why the old civil rights generation ain't respected. It's niggas like this saying stuff like that. The whole thing I would have been saying is life sentence, life sentence, life sentence, life sentence. Well, what do you think she would, oh, well, just take the lemon squeeze and this shit sound like something out of good times. Take the lemon squeeze and she would say this and these people ain't going to control her. That's your reverend. That's your reverend. Um, of course, she hated the idea that her only son she lost, but she just wanted people to uh, remember him in a positive way, and that's what she asked us to do, carry on the legacy 
and uh, spend our time not hating. She said, God took hate out of our life, and I tell people I can't afford the luxury of hate because niggas, hate. please. I, I can't. I can't bear. To, I can't bear another moment. Let me read you what this Sambo said. Statement on the death of Carolyn Bryant Donham. Now this is this is Willa Parker. This is around the same. This is around the same time when she died. Our hearts go out to the family of Carolyn Bryant Donham. As a person of faith for more than sixty years, I recognize that any loss is tragic and don't have any animosity towards her. Even though no one will be held accountable for the death of my cousin and best friend. It's all up to us to be accountable to challenges we face in overcoming racial injustice. This nigga couldn't say white supremacy for nothing. Coward ass nigga. You just as bad as as the demon Bryant. I don't put you too far away from her. Because you're complicit. When When you say stuff like that, you're complicit. I ain't got no animosity toward her. I don't trust these Reverend Negroes. They will sell you under. They will sell you under a wet, a wet noodle pack in a minute. I ain't got no animosity towards her, nigga. You are a coward then, and you're a coward now. He destroys the hater, and we both were on the same page when it came to that. So she, uh, being, both of us being from the same religious denomination. We are taught to pray for our enemies and those who despitefully use us, and uh, we have the right attitude, and that's what she would have now. She she would be, we we, we were painfully, when we think about his death and how he suffered, we have pain, of course, but it's ninety percent of how you handle that pain. The way you handle that is life sentence, because what you're doing is you're putting our young black boys on a slab. You're putting them on a morgue slab with this bullshit you're talking. Is there pain, though, when you think that no one will answer for his death, even 66 years later? Well, well uh, this is the way we look at it, and we real, we real about this. Uh, she said it, and I said the same thing. God said, vengeance is mine. I Nigga, know no- get your ass out of here. This is the reason why she, she, she didn't do no time. Because he wasn't stomping and chomping at the bit. He wasn't calling up Sharpton. He wasn't calling up Jesse Jackson. He wasn't calling up Crump. They should, man, that should have been a blood debt to the day you died, nigga. You should have been on that to the day you died. You owed that to Emmett. You owed it. Out. But I think that they're knowing that people can be brought to trial now. They can be tried. And there can be consequences for their behavior. It makes them think twice. And Ms. Gordon, we heard just a moment ago from Reverend Parker and his wife also quoting that scripture, vengeance is mine, I will repay, say it. You see how they're pushing this narrative? You see how they're doing this? And these old Negroes eating it up. How does faith bring you through all of this? How does does God... I, I can't listen to these niggas no more, man. You know, black folks, young black folks right now have got more have got more done without the civil rights deacon Negroes in a few years than what the church forgive crowd has done. I agree with TBA on that. While they said forgive these race soldiers, oh well, let them slide. Let's hug them. We were saying no nah, reparations are life sentences. You know, we want a Carol in a dirty jail cell. Old plantation Negroes was worried about how her family knew. Oh, her family, 
you know, and her family knew what Carolyn did and they covered for her. She died, I believe they said she died in Louisiana. So they moved her to North Carolina. They moved her to Louisiana. We got a Coon DOJ member and a Coon D8. The Sambo down in Mississippi, he let it slide. The Sambo and the DOJ let it slide. You got Chauvin, he's doing 25 years. The other cops are getting ready to do some time. We wanted more time, but they doing some time. Potter, you know, Potter, she looks like a Rob Zombie Metcast member. Laquan McDonald's killer. I think he's doing a 20 piece. This didn't require one vote. Amber Geiger didn't require a vote. She's doing 10 years and would have done more if that immigrant coon family didn't want to hug and kiss Amber's ass. They should have been on Dr. Phil talking about life sentences. Thought, speech, and action, like Neely Fuller said. Them old Negroes still think of white of the white man as massa. So when we tell them, hey man, don't get on the news with all this let it slide talk, we mean it. They like us in an abusive setting. Oh, well, go vote. Go to church. We tell y'all go to hell. Life sentences. We playing rest and piss music for Carolyn, and we ain't talking about how well her family's doing. Is Massa okay? I ain't got no animosity. I ain't got no animosity towards her. You know, just give me a biscuit. You know, when 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 Clyburn holding that fish fry up there in South Carolina, I ought to go up there and have me some fish. It's Negroes like that that cause this. It's Negroes like this that they got this going on. The 12 twerkers, they're part of the reason. Ain't no music. I got music for you. And these sisters could could have potentially got themselves together. They said, okay, my body's just looking kind of cool. You could get you a nigga to buy you a two, three bedroom house. Yeah, rent's going up. Rent's going up. Poor Brad, poor 12. He's looking very disappointed. Even even 12 was looking disappointed. (laughs) Even 12 was looking disappointed, like damn. You're going to put all this hot booty juice off this fried chicken and waffle over my cop car. Do we need a Rico for plantation spirit? If the state of Minnesota and the DA could put a Rico for that, I'd support it. Gather up all these shower cap wearing. We need to pray for Carolyn Bryant family ass niggas and ban them. Oh, that's lit. Let's twerk on the cop car. Plantation spirit. Sambos of Christmas Eve. Thought, speech, and action, people. See, first they think like a bed buck or a bed winch or a white acceptance requesting Negro. Then they start talking. They start talking like it. 
for them to forgive them good white folk. They need time. In due time. But the 94 crime bill locked them niggas up. I bet you had a whole bunch of Negroes that was like this Wheeler dude that was in his 70s or 80s. When he heard that Rico come across Minneapolis, he probably was he probably was running around with his shoe shine shoes. All them young niggas need to do some time. All them gang banging ass niggas. See, that's that's genocide. That's black on black crime. That's black on black crime. See, if you do black on black crime, see, back in our day, we didn't do no black on black crime. Hey, what you think about Carolyn Bryant? Oh, you got to pray for the family. Okay, what about Jerome? Jerome, you know what I'm saying, blooding and cripping out there. What you think about him? Oh, that nigga need to do some time. Outside the 94 crime bill, if I could right now. So, so you think young black males need a 94 crime bill, but Carolyn Bryant, you want to pray for her. Okay. Y'all need to pay tithes on Sunday. Put up your pants. Y'all need to vote. That's what y'all need to do. See, all y'all young people talking about you don't want to vote. That's disrespectful for our ancestors. Y'all need to vote for Jim Crow Joe. Same guy who welcome to take the 94 crime bill. Or twerk for justice. Is that what we need? Because, of course, you need some sweaty feminist hood rag draws instead of tangibles, right? Instead of land grants like Dr. King said, right? You don't need nothing in your bank account, right? We don't need strong black families with male leadership and competence. We need a vote. We need a twerk. We don't need a special time during club hours. We need twerking in broad daylight on a cop car. Yeah, we need that. But we don't need DP sitting up here trying to say the serial hood hitters and the twerk for 12 people need a Negro Rico. Leave them alone. Y'all, I'm looking at a picture that's so elegant, well-kept, and regal of a black family, some foundational blacks here in the 1940s in Minnesota. I don't see no shower cap. They damn sure ain't twerking on no damn cop car. If there's any twerking going on, that's in the bedroom for her husband. And she's not twerking in front of her seven-year-old. We got a bunch of child predators out there. See, y'all think I'm being mean. Yes, you do. Y'all think I'm being mean. Well, let's see if I was right earlier. Does the Rico drop crime? Just curious. Does the Rico drop crime? Well, let's see what the experts say. Let's see what they say. Let's see if the Rico drops crime. Because obviously I don't have the answers. We have an article here on CARE 11 News. Will the RICO gang prosecution reduce crime? Let's see. Nearly all of the 45 defendants indicted in this week's big federal gang bust have been in court and pleaded not guilty. And the judges have decided to hold all but one in jail until their trial. Uh -oh. As the case moves forward, we're digging into how effective the uh -oh. organized crime law... Re all 45 but one. Interesting. Sounds like a setup to me. Did anybody tell on somebody? Nico has been in cutting down on violent crime. And Lou Raguse joins us with more on that. Lou? 
Rena and Julie, the only defendant out of custody, to my knowledge, is the lone woman charged in this big case. I spoke with an international expert on gangs who's based here in Minnesota to look closer at how effective this strategy can be. Our goal is to dismantle the gangs. There's no question the arrest and charging of 28 members of the High Street Gang and 17 members of the Bloods in Minneapolis takes a lot of allegedly violent people off the streets. But how effective will the use of RICO, a federal organized crime law, be at reducing violence in Minneapolis? In the short term, it certainly does disrupt and dismantle those groups. And that seems to have a, a positive impact because you're reducing violence on the streets. James Densley is a professor of criminal justice at Metro State University and has written a number of books on gangs while studying them over the last 20 years. But in the long term, there's concern that then this creates a power vacuum on the streets and that other groups move in to fill it. To prevent territory and power wars leading to even more gun violence, Densley says it's important to also implement prevention and intervention measures. That's something U.S. Attorney Andy Luger says is part of their strategy. You know what? There was another article here. Before we go into that, I'm going to play the rest of that in a minute. But there was an article here that I've seen on minnesotareformer.com. Volunteers who help manage George Floyd Square work with the Bloods game, but not police. Here's why. And I'm just going to talk about a few different things. It says here, Janelle Austin, a meet on the street volunteer, said a variety of community members staffed the barricades, including gang members. Quote, if there are people who historically identify as gang members who decided to sit on a barricade to protest for justice for their very life as black men, I do not apologize for giving them hope to have a better life. If a gang member is sitting on a barricade to protest for justice for black lives, how is that harming anybody? The area has long been blood's territory. Residents say that after Floyd died and police stepped back, the gang essentially took over protection of the neighborhoods. They could hear four-wheelers at night and warning gunshots to outsiders and assumed it was the Bloods. It made some of them feel safer. They're protecting the community, Andy Brown said in June. Right now, they're the only real ones, or they're the only ones, keeping us safe. After a now says here, police have acknowledged they pulled back from the area as a reformer reported in July. There has, there has, this has some residents concerned about violent crime and who will stop up, who will stop it if not the police. After a man and woman were shot near Cub Foods two days after Christmas, police said they had trouble getting to the scene, and by the time they got there, the two victims had already been to hospitals in private vehicles with gunshot wounds. Let's be very clear. Just like how they did that RICO, and no, no disrespect to the 30s, just like how they did that RICO, let's be very clear. If they wanted to bring militarized forces in there, they could shut all that shit down. See, black folks, we're really only effective when it comes to hurting other black folks, when it comes to gang shit or whatever you may call it, the ops. We're really only effective to that because if it was really, truly not, if it was really, truly effective, wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to take us on no Rico. Try to put some of the Mexican, Mexican gangs down there in Mexico on a Rico. They put the, they put the police on Rico. And what I'm saying is if they, they're just kind of just letting them do, do what they do. They step back like, okay, whatever. But if they really want to shut it down, they could send the military out and be and have that the area cleared out. They're not really worried about no, no, no barricade. They're not. 
it's good that the Bloods, they protecting their community. Okay, cool. But this whole idea that, well, they're making it to where white folks can't come in and take it. The very reason that we're having this conversation is because you had race soldiers stand on a man's neck for 15 minutes on videotape and is doing 25 years for it. That's further proof. That's further proof. The very fact that there's no Rico on the race soldiers and there's a Rico for black shows who really truly has the power dynamic. Now that doesn't mean that we don't try to get justice. That's not what that means. But we need to be honest about where we're all, where we're at in the battlefield. That's the first thing. When you go to war, you be honest. If you ever watched Game of Thrones, Lord Snow, he knew that he was a stand-up guy and the North respected him. He's not just going to say, well, I'm Jon Snow. I'm just going to run up in King's Landing. And no, it don't work that way. He understood that. He said, we don't have the men. Sandra Stark said, well, we need to get, we need to jump in the battlefield anyway. She's thinking like, okay, you know, little dumbass sister. She don't know shit about war. She said, we need more people. We need more. He says, it's all we have. He was being real. This is what we got. We're going with what we got and we're going to be strategic. KSTP reported the police department sent an email to Minneapolis city council members, Andrea Jenkins and Alondra Kano complaining that police were initially denied entry to the scene and hostile crowds destroyed evidence. Then it says police searched the area, couldn't locate the scene of the crime. Police spokesman, John elder said by email, see, you got to think how to, how to, how the police look at it in Minneapolis. They look at it like this. If we can't stand on your neck for 15 minutes and not go to jail, we don't want to come help. We don't want to be over here. And then if you show up, they could always say, well, hey, these Negroes didn't want us over here. Defund the police. Y'all want the fun. Y'all want the police defunded? All right. We ain't gonna come over there. That's how they see it. Oh, you okay, you guys just want to run rampant in crime, somebody get murdered, rape, man, whatever. That's what you Negroes do. That's how they're taking it. That's how they look at it. It's a win-win situation for them. It says, in other words, George Floyd Square may be a sacred site, but gang violence rolls on. Now, here's the thing. Now, I'm going to go above and beyond. They could talk about the gang banging and all this other shit. They could talk about all this nigga shit going on. The bottom line is niggas need reparations. See, what could have happened is Minneapolis could have said, look here. And, and, and this, this goes to show when they say, oh, well, we need to do outreach. Yeah. Cut some checks. You really care about black folks. You concerned about the blood. You concerned about crime. Okay. Give all the blood some money and say, all right, nigga, here's LLC and here's 70, hundred thousand dollars a piece. We spend that money on illegals. We spend that money on Ukraine and everything else. Give each one of them 70 to a hundred a piece. Man, y'all stay out of trouble for five years. We're going to clean your record as long as you ain't touched no little girl, as long as you ain't killed nobody, whatever the case may be. We're going to give y'all 70 to $100,000 a piece. You start you a business. 
if you really want to stop gang violence now, if the niggas keep on doing it, all right, whatever, Rico them. You want to give them a Rico, Rico them. We going to give y'all niggas some reparations. 70 to 100 bands right off the rip. This is coming from the state. This is coming from the state. No, we ain't even getting to the feds yet. Make them niggas sign a document. Ain't no ops, ain't no shooting, ain't no gangbanging, ain't none of that. 70 to 100 to start your own business. None of these funny time ass, oh, well, you could go to college. And none of this old Michelle Obama bullshit. No, go to college, go to college. No, give them niggas a grant, 70 to 100 bands a piece. We gonna get you a work truck. We gonna get you some contracts. We hear, we hear anything about your gang banging, nigga, you getting rico That's a fair deal. We just starting. We just talking about the state. We ain't even gotten to the feds. Because y'all give these Ukrainians and, and you give these illegals, they get everything when they come in this bitch. But the descendants of slaves, you don't want to give us the, nothing. They talking about, well, you know, outreach and preventative maintenance, intervention measures and implement prevention. That's what they're saying here. Implement provision my ass. Cut them niggas a check. If you really want true change, they don't really want true change. It works for the white liberals, for black folks to be on SSI and to be doing this. They love this. After the oh, they love it. White liberals love this. Oh, they love it. They love it in Minneapolis. They say they don't like this. They love this. Some dysfunctional hood rats twerking their fat twerking asses on a cop car. They love it. They love it. That's music to their ears. Look at these plantation Jezebels. Oh, they're twerking for George Floyd. See, that's how white liberals look at it. Oh, you know, they're single mother homes. Oh, gosh. Oh, man. That's how they see it. And then they hit niggas with this, a RICO. Street level intervention, community engagement, and regular meetings with gang members. Regular meet. Okay, so now what you should do is you should go to the head of the bloods, the head of the highs, the head of the lows, and say, look, man, nigga, you gonna sign these damn contract. Y'all niggas gonna start gang banging and shooting. You gonna get 100, 200, 200 bands a piece to start a business. Ain't no more gang banging. Any more gang banging than niggas doing life sentences. Most of these dudes is carjacking or selling fentanyl or doing whatever the case may be. Them niggas ain't making no hundred grand a year. All 45 of them niggas in a, in a Rico, I guarantee you, every all 45 of them niggas ain't made 30 million out of all them niggas. They ain't made $30 million. If it ain't no murders, if it ain't nothing serious, okay, yeah, he got caught with a pipe, man, whatever. Put that nigga on probation and give him an LLC and see if he'll do better. Now, if that nigga come, turns around and, and buys drugs with it or something else, see, you can you can get by nowadays where you can actually be across the board or come up here illegally and get all types of free benefits, goodies, and giveaways, like Professor Black Truth says. But the descendants of slaves, you tell us, well, you know, you go to college, get this little bullshit, jive-ass, two-year degree, Walmart, Oh, you might have did a little time. Let's hit you with a Rico. I'm looking at the bigger picture. So all that's cap. I'm just telling y'all. That's big caparera. Y'all ain't really trying to do no implement, no provision, and no measures. GBA, listen to this. To prevent territory and power wars leading to even more gun violence, Denley says it's important also to implement prevention and intervention measures. 
That's something U.S. Attorney Luger says is part of the strategy, a data-driven strategy called Group Violent Intervention, or GBI. GBI is a strategy to disrupt the group here, the bloods and the highs, through a multiple, multiple, multi, multi-disciplinary approach. Our gang cases are integral to the GBI strategy. That also includes street-level intervention, community engagement, and regular meetings with gang members. Meanwhile, you got some cop that kicked the brother, Stallings or Rawlings, whatever his name is, kicked the brother, grabbed his head, slammed it on the concrete. You talking about just giving him a plea deal. This is somebody that swore to uphold the Constitution. As a part of GBI, we're working to dissuade gang members from pursuing this lifestyle by spreading the word of all of our causes and get the cases. Man, get out of here. Listen to this. He also pointed out Rico was used to dismantle some of the biggest gangs in Chicago in the late 90s and 2000s. Well... Densley points to one example of why the multidisciplinary approach is necessary. Famously, RICO was used to dismantle some of the biggest gangs in Chicago in the late 90s and early 2000s. But if you ask people in Chicago today, do we still have gangs? The answer is obviously yes. Densley says, unfortunately, there's not very good data kept on uh, what percentage of overall gun violence is actually gang violence, but that with the chain reaction... Right. So, so, so this whole thing, when they say gang, they just mean black. See, they're saying there's no correlation. And you, your so-called scholar that ain't even from here, this nigga got a damn UK accent. He can't even tell you that, oh, well, this is gang violence. This is gang, gang, gang. What they mean is just a bunch of niggas running around with guns. Selling a little fentanyl, selling a little heroin, selling a little weed here and there, car, jack, car. Most of these, well, let's be clear. Most of these little, man, I'm going to say something that folks don't know out of town. Most of these situations that these niggers are shooting, these Negroes are shooting, these niggers are shooting each other over, is over this. This is this is the reason. This is going to make people really mad. Oh, this is going to make people, they're going to they gonna be hot when I say this. This is the, this is the reason. them cakes you you get you you get you a bushika with a set of cakes niggas will kill each other over that look at them do your thing Got a, got her a set of thick thighs and a, and a nice little and a nice little round brown. That's what most of these dudes are shooting each other over. Majority of these situations, a lot of these guys, they be shooting, they be over that. They be shooting each other over females. It be a hood rat where some dudes you just can't, you know. I'm telling you. Interview some of the real deal Holyfields out here in the city, and ask them. Off the record, hey bro, what do most of these, these murders be over in these shootouts? It don't be over really no money. It don't be over money like that, man. It be over this. That's what it be over. 
That's what it be over most of the time. And people don't want to admit that. So when they say gangs, they just mean black. So they roll up a couple members that might have been, I mean, that that's really what it is. That's really what it is. Now, I wanted to make a quick recap on the Volusia County case. I talked about, and y'all remember the last time I talked about that sheriff in Volusia County, okay? That sheriff in Volusia County that arrested those neo-Nazis. Well, remember that brother that I talked about that was, uh, he was charged with shooting a race soldier that tried to ambush him in his driveway. That's also in Volusia County. That's also in Volusia County. Now here's another thing that I wanted to cover. This is a sister going upon another plantation Negro to remind me of Wheeler. This is another reason why we don't have tangibles or reparations. Here's another Negro that was cited on the Emmett Till thing. He's one of the NAACP folks out there in San Francisco that didn't want us to get our reparations. Yeah. It was him. And it's a sister that called into the reparations hearing, which actually got approved. They're working on that out in California. Shout out to them. All these Negroes talking about, man, ain't nobody going to get no reparations. All of them niggas. You you remember them two conservative coons, them two twins that were making fun of reparations? Let me see if I could let me see if I could find something for them. There were two conservative coons. They were two biracial coons. Where is this at? Man, it was two dudes that used to make fun. Y'all remember who they were? There were two dudes that was making fun. Man, I can't find these dudes. But I remember Robert Johnson was talking about $14 trillion of reparations. They could say what they want about Robert selling BT and whatever, but I remember he was talking about that. Oh, white people hate, hate it, man. They hate it when they say, man, you talking about reparations. They do not like that at all. Oh, they hate it. They hate that. But here's somebody going in on 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 on, on plantation Amos. And I've got zero confidence in our anti-black representatives voting for us to get the cash repair. We are long overdue after being legislated out of the state from 17 to 3 percent. That's right. I believe y'all are playing in our faces and gripping off reparations to keep us sheep walking to the polls to vote for Democrats to our own erasure and replacement with immigrants. But I'm holding on to my What my comrade wants to know about the residency requirements to receive whatever cost of the reparations you all decide on. Thank you for your time. Justice for Jordan Neely. Yes. That sister went in. 
Speaking truth to power, it hits different. You could see, you could see that old plantation look on Reverend Amos, Plantation Amos's face. You could see that. Now, here's some other things I'm gonna wrap around. Y'all think that I'm being mean on the sisters that was twerking on that cop car. I'm telling you, there's a new Minnesota coming. Y'all just don't get it. Y'all, y'all don't understand. The Mall of America just released some renderings for a water park project. Now, I'm not going to say that it's going to be a straight sundown town. I'm not going to say that. But, man, let me tell you what they're getting ready to do, man. Tonight, we're getting a better idea of what a future water park <laughs> will look like. At Keep in mind, the Mall of America, man, they've been having the OK Corral. Dude's been out there. Dude's been out there like 310 to Yuma out there at the Mall of America. I don't even want to bring my son out there. See, that's another thing, man. I might have wanted to go to that brunch spot. And some people say, oh, it's for the young folks and people are having fun and stuff. You ain't got to twerk on no cop car. My, 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 my children don't really have to see that. It's not about being the moral police. It's not about being the moral police, but you ain't got to, you ain't got to perform everywhere you go. You could have twerked on any car. Well, let me go on the cop car. I'm going to disrespect the police. This is justice for George Floyd. This is woman empowerment. Nigga, you waving the white flag. Anytime you have to buck break yourself in front of white people, you're not getting a win. You're not getting a win. You're just going to get a cop shaking his head. And the only reason why he ain't snatching your wig off and, and arresting you is because Minneapolis don't really want the problem. You Negroes is being documented and don't even mind it. Erica. Alex Jokic has a look at the new renderings of what MOA says would be the largest indoor water park in the country. The proposed water park would take over this entire parking lot. The idea would be for it to be like a theme park just with water. The idea is it's a place where travelers have been pulled to. Unveiling renderings of Mystery Cove for the first time since planning started five years ago. We thought it was time to start sharing with people some of what we've been working on. One of the water park's designers gave us a deep dive on the vision for it. We're bringing some escape game principles and puzzles into play in the park as well. It's centered around the story of a plane crash landing on an island. The 320,000 square foot water park would have a massive wave pool kid zone daredevil slides eureka reef is where the family tower uh, raft towers would be and amusement park style attractions just here they're in water this is a world-class destination this is something that will change people's travel plans triple five the owners of mall of america built a water park at one of their malls in canada the city of Bloomington estimates doing something similar here could bring in a million visitors every year. Easy. The plan is to put it near the Easy. And ain't going to be twerking on no cop cars and ain't going to be no shootouts there. Do y'all understand what I'm trying to say? This is the new Minnesota. They're taking their city back. We're not involved in it. They're not going to let all that stuff go down anymore. Do y'all get it? 
Have your twerking for cop cars and all that. Get that out your system right now because let me tell you, you ain't going to be doing that out there. Ain't going to be no more shootouts at the Mall of America at a certain point in time. Ain't going to be all this all this hood rat activity and all this performing and all this. Ain't going to be. It's not going to happen. They're not going to invest this kind of money and letting whorehouse hood rat mentality and Mr. Shoot 'em up smoke the dead ops in these vicinities. That's not going to happen. They will Rico niggas off the face of the earth before they let it happen. You gonna go to these places and be a model citizen. Now, ain't nobody gonna be bringing no pipes and no water park. Well, um, I don't know. Some of y'all just might think it's okay to do so. Not sure about that, but for the most part, man, you know, people just going to be bringing their kids and stuff. But look at downtown. Our downtown Minneapolis is like nothing other. I've never seen it. I've been to Boston. I've been to a lot of downtowns, man. Folks, folks ain't acting like this in other places to this degree in their downtown. I don't even think they do that in Chicago. These niggas done lost their damn minds downtown. I'm telling you, they gonna clean this city up. Part of the light rail, and I didn't really cover this too much, but they're gonna move the light rail down White Bear. That's gonna go out to Matamidi. They got this water park situation. Um, They got the Taste of Minnesota happening. They didn't do this Rico just for no reason. I'm not just on here babbling conspiracy theory. These folks got a plan and it don't involve no niggas. The mall's north entrance between Nordstrom and Sears. I look out there and I see it right now. An well, four niggas currently a huge parking lot. The price tag for this project keeps going up now at $345 million. Yeah, let's, let's be honest with folks. Hey. Uh, we had overruns with the uh, with the water park. Back in December, Bloomington City Council once again debated the financing and decided to stick with a plan that would use some of the property taxes generated by the mall and water park to help pay for the project. Hospitality is the right, but who's going to invest in that if you can't guarantee your so-called safety? You're having shootouts at the Mall of America. You having fights. You're having all of that. They have to reshape the trust of the Minnesota people. And there's going to be people, if it's the largest one in the world, the mall of America is one of the biggest in the world. I don't even like bring, I don't even want to bring my son there because there might be some 12 twerkers or serial hood hitters that decide that they want to do 310 to Yuma rather than shop. You see what I'm saying? So, how are you going to invoke the trust of the people to where they want to invest that? I'm going to tell you in a minute. The largest industry in Bloomington. From shopping to unique attractions, hospitality brings in more than 20% of the city's revenues. The city believes this water park would add to the entertainment mix and create a new demand for hotel rooms. But the question remains, when could Mystery Cove finally make a splash at the mall. I'm comfortable saying in the not too distant future, I'm comfortable saying this is going to happen. Um, there's just some things that need to click into place for us to be able to make that announcement as well. 
The city tells me they are still interested in moving this project forward, but for now it's on pause because of high interest rates and rising construction costs. If and when they do break ground here, it would take about two and a half years to build the water park. Yeah, that sounds about right. Two and a half years is contracting, rising costs. So, so you know, they're, they're trying to figure out a way. Okay, how are we going to get our ROI? But at the same time, there's going to be some things done in this city. Man, y'all ain't got no damn, y'all ain't got no podcast out of Minnesota that's covering no shit like this. Quit playing. Does the RICO drop crime? Okay, now let's look at something else. Now, this is a little different here. This is a little different here. This is in Dinky Town. This is another one. We gonna all know we gonna cover all, all we gonna cover it all around. We will enforce the law. MPD increases presence after chaotic night in Dinky Town. Now you notice they didn't mention anything about shootings. They didn't mention none of that stuff. So let, let's see what they got to say. I, I'm gonna let you know if it's some black folks involved or if it's some white folks, they're gonna give a pass. I'm gonna tell you that real soon here. Let's let this load up. Got this little corny TV show. All right, here we go. University of Minnesota's a chaotic start to the weekend in the University of Minnesota's Dinky Town neighborhood has police on high alert tonight. Assault, disorderly conduct, fleeing police, and curfew violations were some of the citations issued to teenagers who there showed up in large crowds last night. WCCO's Kirsten Mitchell talked with the university police chief and Minneapolis chief about the night and how they hope to prevent it from happening again. Leftover drinks and trash litter the streets of Dinky Town, remnants of a chaotic Friday night. Juveniles throwing drinks at people, uh, another one uh, at a different restaurant, juveniles throwing rocks. Problems began around 1030 with a group of 50 people, mostly teenagers from out of town. Some of the people from uh, Edina, uh, Eden Prairie, uh, the Brooklands. Edina, white folks. Eden Prairie, white folks. Brooklyn, he said the Brooklyn's Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park. Hmm. Might have been a few niggas, but some corny ass little, you know, little corny ass kids, rocks, drinks. Let's go to Dinky Town. Let's act a fool. Wasn't no shootings? Okay, yeah. White. Carry on. In a span of three hours, nine people were cited. Of those, six were arrested, including an 18-year-old with fireworks and a baseball bat. Yeah, come Citations on. range from assault white. and disorderly conduct white, to white, police white, and white. violations. We will not tolerate these types of disorderly acts. Uh, we won't tolerate these assaults and these kinds of things. Seeing a video of someone uh, violently assaulted, it, it's painful, and it's scary, and it's frustrating. Aaron Brum is a parent of a student and serves on the board of the Campus Safety Coalition, a group concerned about what the Negro you know hold, hold, brought a baseball bat with fireworks. Wide, 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 wide. Safety of students. We've got a graduation that people are trying to prepare for, and we have students that are in finals right now. They don't need this. Chief Matt Clark of the university's Department of Public Safety says they have officers in Dickey Town nightly. The response was immediate, it was quick as possible, and it was effective. They recently added more cameras, lighting, and emergency blue kiosks. We want these juveniles arrested, and we want something to happen to them, not a wrist slap. And I suppose that's where it starts with the Hennepin County Attorney's Office. 
Everyone who was arrested overnight Friday has since been released. In the coming nights, there you go, white man. This wasn't this wasn't no black folks doing this shit. O'Hara says to expect more officers. To the extent that we can control things, we will be present. We will be highly visible. We will seek to deter this type of behavior. So they came all the way from Brooklyn Center, Brooklyn Park, Eden Prairie, Edina. 50 people, baseball bats, fireworks, no shootings. White, come on, man. They're not going to do nothing. Fleeing police, disorderly conduct. And look, <laughs> you said they were out the next day. No, man, that don't sound like, no, that don't sound like no niggas from, from north side of South Minneapolis, especially north side. No, they keeping y'all. They keeping y'all for a minute. Here's another, here's another one. This is on MSN. Two arrested, eight cited for 10 incidents in Dinkytown. This is another one. 10 incidents in Dinkytown by a mob of 10 dozen people. That was a coordinated response that resulted in law enforcement's arrests and citations. Oh, man. Yeah. No, no, no. It, 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 ain't, it, ain't, it ain't a big deal. Ain't nobody got shot. No one got stabbed. Somebody might have got roughed up a little bit. They were drunk. They talking about empty cups on the ground, fireworks. Come on, man. I can read between the lines. Police are promising. Okay, here's another one. Minneapolis and police are promising to do more after several violent assaults in the Dinky Town neighborhood near the U of M campus over the weekend. Charmaine Nero has more on the collective effort to keep students safe. Assaulting students, assaulting patrons of restaurants. This, I think, has put a lot of parents over the edge. That was the sentiment this weekend from a U of M parent and board member of the Campus Safety Coalition following reports of recent assaults in Dinkytown this weekend. Today is our annual open house. And today, the University of Minnesota's Department of Public Safety is opening their doors, inviting students and parents inside to talk. We do this every year to welcome students and to let them have access to our department, but also talk about safety tips. This comes after reports of more than 10 incidents in Dinkytown. MPD says two people were arrested and eight people were cited over the weekend. That was a coordinated response. Uh, that resulted in some law enforcement arrests and citations that were made. UMPD Chief Matt Clark says right now the department has 54 officers, just short of an authorized strength of 71. Man, listen, either it's a bunch of white people they cited and arrested or some corny, corny ass immigrant niggas. One of the two. They're now working on adding additional officers. And with graduation coming up this weekend, the department says they're already putting plans into place to keep students, parents, and staff safe. So we know we'll have a lot of parents attending commencement with their students who are graduating. And we'll have every officer working in the department Friday and Saturday night. Uh, we'll also be off campus as well, partnering with Minneapolis police. And we need to talk about safety all year round. And then how can we address those concerns and issues? How can we work together as a community to address the safety concerns that they have? No, the chief tells me they will. See, the, the thing about Minneapolis and, and Minnesota in general, for, for people to be able to understand, there's a lot of people in Minneapolis that got money. And the thing is, is we got too many people that don't want no money. And I don't mean to be greedy. I'm just saying you have a high concentration of people that are not from here. That's one thing. And then you got a high concentration of a bunch of lame ass niggas that's just sitting around not doing anything. And you got a lot of this stuff too. You got a lot of this too. Like this guy here. 
Chad Bruce Sabinish, 49, of Austin, Minnesota. Now, this was on March 22. This is something that the Open Secret has posted. Y'all got to go follow Open Secret. They have a real groundbreaking documentary about a lot of sexual uh, predators in Hollywood. So this guy was arrested by five felony counts, first degree, raping a child many times, ages 6 to 10, it says, from July 2022. Pled guilty to second degree in exchange for only probation. April 2023, he was arrested and failed to appear on sentencing, just sentenced only on probation. We have a lot of that going on. Let's go, and you know, this is off of Twitter, so let's go to the news so they can't say, well, you know, Bagland DP is out here. No, ABC 6 News. This was on uh, updated May 5th. Man who fled sentencing for Austin child sex abuse given probation. Yes, he received a Mauer County sentence of 15 years probation after pleading guilty to sexually abusing a child from 2010 to 2015. Then he failed to appear for a sentencing in 2023 of February and did not appear in Mauer County court until he was arrested on a warrant and booked in the Mauer County court, April 25 to be held without bonds until sentencing. According to Minnesota court transcripts from Sabinish 2022 plea hearing, plea hearing, which were later filed publicly judge Kevin Sykin warned Sabinish that Mauer County court was not necessarily bound by the conditions of the plea agreement but that if Sabanish uh, was sentenced more harshly than agreed upon, he could withdraw his plea and go to trial. So he elected not to sentence. Now, look, listen to this. The judge, he chose not to sentence him harshly on May 4th and granted him a downward dispositional sentence of 15 years probation. Gave him a $1,000 fine and 100 years of community service. According to Minnesota court records, he was originally arrested and charged with five counts of first-degree criminal sex assault, so that's straight rape, for allegedly raping a child multiple times in both Austin, Minnesota, and his home in Decorah, Iowa. According to Iowa court records, he was also charged with second-degree sex abuse by Winnesheek County Court in 2019. The case was dismissed in 2020. Then he pleaded guilty to sexually abusing a child, an Austin child, from ages 6 to 10. So now he lives in Rochester. He pleaded guilty to a minute charge of second-degree criminal sexual assault in July of 2022 in exchange for probation and a promise that he would not serve additional jail time. If he violates his terms of probation, he could be resentenced up to 109 months in prison. So he's listed as a predatory offender. He has to attend a sex offender program and avoid contact with people under 18 and vulnerable adults. Minnesota. That's Minnesota. Now, on Open Secret, it says, share your opinion about child rapist, child Bruce Sabin is getting only probation. Now, Judge Kevin Seekin was appointed by Governor Democrat Mark Dayton. Yeah, looking at the judge right here, the sentence him. Jeez, man. That's what's going on in Minnesota, if y'all want to know. That's what's going on. Meanwhile, they got a RICO. They got a RICO for black folks, and none of these dudes was charged with sexual assault. Now, listen to this. There are some brothers, I think, that, was this Missouri? I don't know where this was, but they, 
there's some brothers out somewhere. I don't know where this. It sounds like it's from the East Coast. They found. They found a white supremacist trying to attack, trying trying to post up and kidnap some black kids. Bro, uh. like real shit. Like you know, people are getting kidnapped and everything, bro. Nah, ain't no use talking, bro. Nigga saw a black van. He was like, hell no. And you really don't got... Bro. Bro, what the... Yeah, they got the the white dude hemmed up. They sliding open his van like, hey, man, they checking him. What's up with this van? What the fuck is this, bro? Uh Uh-huh. Dead eyes, my nigga. Who are you, bro? Uh, Dead eyes, bro. Who are you, bro? Where you come from, bro? Took his car keys. That's what I'm talking about. No, for real, for real. Where you this this is a video Weird. of a crap? man parked outside the school early in the morning before the kids have to come in for school. He's in a black van with all black on, and these two black men caught him. And y'all say that there's no black men out here trying to protect us. The guy with the camera even said, we got to protect our black women. The one that's inside the truck said, what is you doing out here in front of a school in these hours? Why are you in our hood in this van during these hours in front of a school? What you trying to do, bruh? They are protecting black women and our kids. There you go. There you go. Don't be twerking on... Man, this is serious. This is serious. I'll cover this other one another time. It's some YSL shit. Whatever. Now, there's something that I wanted to talk about. And we'll go ahead and wrap things up pretty soon. But Lake Lanier. uh, Y'all probably have heard about Lake Lanier. I've talked about that before. There's a movie that's coming out in September, a horror movie about Lake Lanier. And uh, let's go ahead and play the trailer. Fair use, fair use. You know, making Lanier has been the hardest project within our filmmaking career and entrepreneurship journey. There's no question about it. From telling the large story of 1912 in Oscarville, Georgia, to incorporating Lanier's mysteriousness within it, from the drownings, disappearances, and disasters, and taking that and infusing it to tell a modern-day story, it was crazy. But we pulled it off. Every day we filmed, whether it was the sizzle or the movie, we just couldn't believe that all of it came from a movie poster that went viral. And from that viral movie poster came people that actually helped make the movie come to life, such as some of our executive producers, Angel McCaffrey and Mike Schill, and many more. With that said, thank you everyone for your patience, support, and passion. We look forward to y'all seeing the movie. I'm really looking forward to Lake Lanier. Um, I I, I want to check it out. I I do want to check it out. And that was a black town that was flooded. You know, there's Rosewood. There's I mean, I always talk about Rosewood all the time. Um, but this was in Four South County. Um, if you guys are familiar with Four County, well, 
not a huge fan of Oprah, but Forsyth County, Georgia, was and probably still is, basically it was a place, uh, there was a, a racial cleansing. They ran all the black folks out. Um, I'm going to play a little bit in 1987 in which Oprah went down there and they had some coverage. These young men who are trying to exercise their constitutional rights. The marchers were clearly outnumbered by their antagonists who lined the road in a scene that looked like something out of America's darker past. Forsyth stays white. So you see that these, these two white supremacist Karens, they're holding up a sign that says Forsyth stays white. There was a book, uh, sundown towns covers a lot of this. There was another book that I had bought about sundown towns and stuff. Um, it's very interesting that I say that cause I was doing a, a tech support role some years back in Brooklyn center. And in fact, the, the product that I was supporting, it was like a school product. So it had something to do with school testing. And there was, I think it was a student or a teacher. I think it was a student. And I seen her name and I, I seen, I, you know, I could look at the name like, okay, this is a young black girl. She was like about 16, 17 or something. And her location was Forsyth, Forsyth County. And I was like, oh. Is it black folks that, you know, even in a little sundown town, there's always a few black folks that live there, but I could tell she wasn't no immigrant. She was the foundational. I could look at her name and tell like, okay, this is, this is American black girl. So I was kind of wondering like, damn, do black folks still stay out there? You know what I'm saying? Like for decades and many residents say they want to keep it that way. We haven't had none up here since the first of the century. And I don't think we've done okay without them. And I don't believe we need them up here now. Only so he's basically saying, hey, man, we ain't had no black folks around here. We don't need them. I hear Marshall, they, the black people and the white black people do all they up here for start trouble. And they come to the right place to get it. So he's basically saying, hey, come I got we You you want smoke? You want to start trouble? So basically you had the civil rights generation, the church Negroes. They went up there in buses and, oh, they're going to start singing Negro spirituals in a minute. So brace yourself. But I'm going to keep playing it. Blacks and whites marched together hoping to avoid violence, but they quickly became the targets of rock and bottle blowing. It's, it's mind-boggling to see that things like this still exist in America. But, hey, you got all kind of people. People like them, they look like me and my friends, you know. And, uh, you know, I think someday, we'll, you know, we're going to be able to reach people like that, too. The two sides were kept separated. There were a few minor injuries and a half dozen arrests. Finally, the county sheriff asked the marchers to get back on the bus for their own safety when things got out of control. Yeah, because they like, hey, look, the county the sheriff is like, listen, man, uh, we can't protect y'all. They might string y'all up out here. You know, y'all outnumbered. Get your ass back on that bus. I don't think this says a whole lot about our county. It makes me very saddened that... Uh folks can't walk down the street whoever they are the organizer Dean Carter reflected on the day's events I thank God that I did not bring my wife and two children today that this is ridiculously sick listen to have all this go on 
in America and people not stand up against it. Oh, man. Oh, Lord. Oh, and you know what? A lot of these white people that you see out there marching, if you ask them a simple question, they'll start sounding just like these rednecks that don't want niggas in, in Fort South County. Hey, man. My great-great-grandmammy was on this damn plantation over here in Louisiana and Mississippi. Do you think that we should get our due? Do you think we should get reparations? Oh, whoa, wait a minute. We should just get some sexual interracial access and, uh, you know, we, we'll overcome and, you know, education, and they'll start hitting you with that. You know, don't you want a Becky? Don't you want a Becky DP? We can make that happen. They will sell out a Becky. Let me tell you, man. They would consider genetic annihilation before giving you reparations. They would give you genetic annihilation before reparations. But niggas start talking about, okay, he's going to even the playing field. Yeah, you know, I may not want to see you hanging from a tree, nigga, but uh, I don't want you to have no reparations. That's your white liberal. Conservative white is going to be like, nah, nigga, ask Obama for that. You had Obama in eight years ago. They'll do the Mitch McConnell route. After the march, the Ku Klux Klan held a rally on the steps of the courthouse incoming. God bless America! Keep Forsyth County white! As the marchers got back on the bus to go back to Atlanta, they vow that they will return to Forsyth County again. Josh Thomas, 11 Alive News. Well, okay, now this is the Oprah stuff here. There's no niggers here, why should they even come, you know? ...has gained the reputation of being a hotbed of racism. Here are just some fair use, of the YouTube, images of fair use. in past weeks that were broadcast around the globe. There's no niggers here, why should they even come, you know? They asked for it. They got it, so why'd they come back, you know? They said no King Holiday. And you got to think, King wasn't talking about really doing nothing to nobody. King was just like, hey, man, what's up with this? We coming back to Washington to get our check. They didn't like King. They didn't like King because King wasn't a coon. King was about to upset the social economic discourse. They didn't like that. That's why they said no King Holiday. And let's be honest, with Juneteenth, it's a lot of white people to benefit from Juneteenth. Juneteenth, especially in Minnesota, we got a whole bunch of, we got a whole bunch of Sambo ass niggas up here. Let's keep it 100. Shout out to the Sambo ass niggas. Y'all Sambo ass niggas is on the same playing field as the 12 twerkers. See the, the 12 twerkers, your little hood rat 12 twerkers with her, with her Wolverine nails and her track phone and her sweaty and her sweaty crotch. So a lot of them don't really know better. Some of them don't. But well, we got some real sambo ass niggas that'll sit up there and say, well, you know, you know, yeah, you know, I have a dream and you like, hey, man, what about reparations for King? Well, he don't really want to say nothing, you know, cause he got him a Becky near him and she's going to say, well, you know, I'll just give you some of this cave crotch. <laughs> I'll give you some of that. You don't need no reparations. I believe that this show aired nearly 30 years ago. Oprah's show in Forsyth was causing an uproar as protests were going on outside 
tempers were heating up inside too. Somebody tell me Fair where use. did the people who come from who were shouting, nigger go home? They came from where? Yes, ma'am, they came from, my name's Frank Shirley. I'm the head of the committee to keep Forsyth and Dawson County white. They. Oh, he's proud. Let him speak, please let him speak. He has the right to speak. Okay, the news media is covered up. There were thousands of white people that came out to join our white people's protest. This is the largest white people's protest against communism and race mixing in the last 30 years. The news media is deliberately. See, he got honest white supremacy. Oh, let me hear that. Hey, he's honest. He, he, yeah, he, he's not holding back at all. He's like, hey, I ain't no white liberal. I'm a white conservative. I'm a white conservative. I don't like you niggas. I ain't got no reparations for you. I ain't trying to race mix with you or nothing. Covered up the nature of the Brotherhood marchers, many of whom are commu outright communists and homosexuals, and our organization was the only one that dared take a stand against them. They marched, they brought in so thousands. You're not just anti black, you're also anti gay, too. I'm opposed to communism, race mixing, and low morals, and homosexuals are of low morals, in my opinion. You don't believe that people of other races have the right to live here? They have the right to live wherever they want to, but we have the right to choose if we want a white community also. And see, you kick, you kick black folks out. That's the thing about it. That's the that's the thing that they don't really want to say. And she got them Carol and Bryant eyes. Oh man, some of you sambo ass niggas will lick her ass crack. That's why we moved here. You believe? That's what you believe. Excuse me. Why is it that there are people in this county, obviously, who are afraid of black people? What is it you are afraid black people are going to do? I mean, that's what I'd like to know. I'm I'm afraid of. Uh them coming to Forsyth County. I lived in Atlanta. I was born in Atlanta. And uh, in 1963, the first blacks were bused to West Fulton High School. And I go down there now, and I see my neighborhood and my community, which was a nice community, a nice neighborhood, and now it's nothing but a rat-infested slum area because they don't care. They don't care. Thank you. No, what stand up, what stand up? You know, you know. Uh, do you mean they... Us, the entire black race. Uh oh. The entire black race. Blacks and you have niggers. What's the difference between I've a black talked, person and a nigger to you? I've talked to black people. Black people, they don't want to come up here. They they don't want to cause any trouble. Uh oh. That's a black person. A nigger wants to come up here and cause trouble all the time. That's the difference. Well, I yes. have something to say. I'm very upset about what's going on. I don't think that Forsyth County has been portrayed right. Uh, it's not only by what's outside right now. But I just really hate to think that it's going to take someone either black or white getting hurt or losing their lives before people can sit down and talk this out. It is a time for change. There's nothing we can do about it. Everybody, ha there's one God. And I just hate to think that someone is going to get hurt before the people get some sense about them and talk about this and get it like it's supposed to be. It, what, how is it supposed to be? Black and white together in Forsyth County. There's no other way. Oprah says she and her producers knew it. A lot of time to shop for Oh, well, there you go. So you get your, you get your little history lesson. Anyway, Forsyth County. Forsyth County. Okay. <laughs> Four South County, yes, you niggas get about town. So, basically, the truth behind Oscarville and the violent removal of black residents from Four South County years before Lake Lanier was built. Now, this is from the Gainesville Times, updated July first, twenty twenty-two. This is pertinent. Well, DP, why did you play all of this and play all of that? Well, we want to give you a little background. 
Many living in North Georgia have have heard the tales of what lies behind Lake Sydney Lanier. Damn, that lake got a middle name. <laughs> shout out to Lake Sydney Lanier. God damn it. From graves buried by the water to alleged supernatural sightings, old goon near Browns Bridge, rumors surrounding Lanier continue to be shared, not just across Georgia, but across the country, garnering attention toward what some Georgia's most haunted lake. Sambo's of Christmas Eve. Um, some of these stories shared highlight Oscarville, a community that once stood in northeastern Forsyth near the border of Hall County on a portion of the land later used to build the lake. So I just want y'all to know this was an artificial lake. This lake was, was built just like how they, I believe they flooded new Orleans to get the black folks out and gentrify. They, they, this was an artificial lake that they used to flood. Though Oscarville has become a source of legend. What follows is the community's tragic real life story as recorded in historical records and other sources. Y'all got to keep in mind a lot of, if you read books like medical apartheid, historical records and sources, a lot of, times they were just honest like that dude. He said, man, you know, I don't want no, you know, black folks don't want to come live up here. It's the niggas don't want to, it's, it's, it's Negroes. It's you. We shall overcome Negroes to want to come up here and, Oh, it's racism. And we need to, we shall overcome. He's saying y'all are the problem. Most he said, he said, black people, he said, I talk to black people. They don't want to come up here. So then I start to kind of wonder something. I said, Hmm, that white man says something. He was being honest. He was being very, very honest about how he felt about the situation. He said, niggers come up here and start trouble. Black folks don't want to come up here. So people like me, I know this is sundown town. No, I don't want to come up here. Now you might get some Sambo nigga that wants to kind of see if he can't, because you got to keep in mind when you go to towns and places where there's not a lot of black people, there's always some Becky that wants to offer some interracial sexual crotch to some lucky, likely Negro that just happens to be in town. Oh, I don't like my parents and they hate niggers. I'm going to fuck me a big black guy. I'm going to find a green mile Negro. Let me see if I can't find a Ving Rhames Negro big and black. You see, that's how, <laughs> that, that's how they look at it. So if you get some old Sambo that wants to go up there and he wants some interracial sexual access, he's like, well, damn, most black folks don't want to come up here. They don't get strung up, but you might have that. You might have a Negro like the one off of, um, what's that? What's that film that we watch, man? I mean, he got killed over that shit. Like, man, I would have just found me a sister. I would have found, I, I would have found a girl to look like the 12 twerkers with some fat ass cakes and thighs. I would have found, I would have shout out to live on Lake street for putting that video up. I would have, man, I ain't about to get killed over now. I tell you what's that? Uh, Godfather of Harlem. This Negro was going to lose his life over dating this Italian girl. He could have just found him a nice little Kenesha something man and been on about his way. But he wanted to play his little guitar and he just wanted him some, he just wanted some sexual interracial access. And keep in mind that was around the sixties and the seventies. So there you go. It's like, oh, you can't string me up by no tree no more. This is civil rights. Give me some cave crotch. See? And that's how that's how he looked at it, and he lost his life. Anyway, strong black community, 
Just before 1912, there were nearly 1,100 black residents in Forsyth County, with 58 of those residents being landowners. So you had 1,100 black people, and you had black folks. That's, I mean, 58? That's a nice little piece of black folks to own some land. According to the Digital Library of Georgia, 109 black residents paid the farm tax, meaning they rented or owned farms. Other black residents worked in Cummings as craftsmen and laborers. There seemed to be a feeling of community in the place, which quickly became known for its churches. Pastors such as Grant Smith and Levi Greenlee Jr. were spiritual leaders and outspoken advocates for black residents, according to the New Georgia Encyclopedia. Now, you know, I get on these spiritual Negroes all the time, but back then, they weren't just, a lot of them weren't just Bible thumpers. A lot of them were really advocates. A lot of them were real activists and stomped down dudes. They weren't like your Eddie Longs and your T.D. Jakes and like that one, that, that Wheeler nigga talking about, oh, well, we need to pray for Demon Carolyn Bryant. They weren't, no. Some of these dudes was like, okay, man, we need to get black folks on cold. You know, they might have believed in a word and whatnot, but at the same time, they, they were activists too. They understood they were black. Not only did they help to protect the community, but they worked to bring black residents together. Surviving records from Greenleaf Church show they organized picnics for churchgoers and collected tithes from many in the community, including some white residents in coming. Well, uh, a local newspaper archived by the Georgia Newspaper Project showed that many black children attended a publicly funded local school. A 1908 Georgia school census shows that 316 children of color were enrolled in school in Forsyth. But at the time, some white residents at Forsyth saw this community as a sort of threat. Now, we know historically, if you look at the Red Summer, during the time of the, the, the Nadir, that the man, uh, I think his, what was his name? Um, I forgot his name. They, they wrote Sundown Towns. Y'all need to buy that book, the old version too. Sundown Towns. Go get that book. Um, Let me pull up another book. Because y'all going to get some game. Sundown Towns. There was another book. Sundown Town Books. Um, yep. Uh, James Lowen. A Hidden Dimension of American Racism. Sundown Towns. That's another good. That's it. But there's one more. There was a white man that uh, racial expulsions. Okay, let me see. Racial expulsion books. Let me see if I can look that up on Google. Racial expulsions. That's what they called... Um, when they kick black folks out of town, racial expulsion books. Hold on. Give me a second. We're going to get through this in a minute. We're going to close out in a minute. Damn, I, I got the book. Oh, yep. Buried in Bitter Waters, The Hidden History of Racial Cleansing in America by Elliot Jaspin. Now, this dude used to work for, I believe, the uh, the, the Atlanta Constitution. I think he lost his job because he started really looking into this stuff. There's a documentary on YouTube called Banished. Really good documentary. So most of these threats were black folks to own land. Okay, these Negroes own some land. They doing their thing. Okay, well, let's just make up a fake rape uh, claim. And and every all the cities around America, it's the same thing. Rape claim, rape claim, rape claims. Like, okay, so it's just a, all these black folks own land and it's just one nigga that's raping white women? No. They made it up, and a lot of them would admit that. So, one subscriber wrote a letter to the local paper expressing concern that some white children of farmers who were not attending school may be ineligible to vote. 
while black children attending school would be eligible. Think about that. One subscriber wrote a letter to the local paper expressing concern that some white children of farmers who were not attending school may be ineligible to vote while black children attending school should be eligible. So here they are making up more lies talk about, well, white people can't vote, but black folks can't vote. This is in the 1900s. So basically they set it up. Okay, let's bring some propaganda. Get these Negroes out of here. Racial cleansing, it says. By the end of 1912, two incidents in the county and the ensuing violence against the black population there led essentially every black person to flee foresight, even those who own land. In September that year, two alleged assaults against white women, here we go, were reported in the county. The first alleged assault took place on September 5th when a woman reported that two black men had assaulted her in the coming. By September 7th, Sheriff William Reed had arrested two men according to the Gainesville News, September 12, 1912 edition. Just days later, the body of an 18-year-old Sleety May Crow, a white resident, was found in the woods near Oscarville. Several black residents were named as suspects for the alleged rape and murder, including Ernest Knox and Robert Edwards. I bet they own land, too. Knox was brought to Gainesville and reportedly confessed to the crime, according to the same edition of the Gainesville News. They probably tortured him and made him say it, but let's go. In an effort to provide safety, Knox was transferred to a jail in Atlanta while the remaining suspects stayed at the jail in Cumming. Rumors swirled and were reported in the papers that the black residents threatened to dynamite the town if there were any lynchings. See, more caps, so that what they created more propaganda to give a justification. Despite Knox being transferred, a mob of angry white residents gathered outside of the jail. The mob seized Edwards, a 24-year-old farmhand, from the jail, beating him to death before he was hanged from a telephone pole in the town square. This incident started up now. Keep in mind, they beat him to death, and then they hung him. So that was a message. This is very beast. you got to understand, race soldiers have bestial activity and bestial mindsets. The incident started a wave of violence towards the black community in Forsyth County. Mobs threatened residents and fired guns into homes. Now, when I told y'all that these girls was twerking on 12, twerking on the cop car, I wasn't just, just getting on them. A wave of violence. You start doing certain stuff and putting yourself in the, you start putting yourself into victimhood and putting yourself on notice. You could become a wave of violence. I want y'all to understand something about history. You got Negroes walking around, man, that ain't going to happen to me. You can start getting Negroes talking about that. Now, mobs threaten residents that fire guns in the homes. So they just start terrorizing black folks. This is the early 1900s. This is no more than, what, 30, 30 40 plus, what, 30, what, 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 1865 when we so-called got enslaved? Let me see. Let's just say 1912. So 1865. Man, that's 50 years, bro. That's around about 50 years. 50 years after being on the plantation. And as we know, there was still slavery going on to the 60s in Louisiana and many other places. But let's just, let's just, let's just go with about 50 years. Night riders. White residents who came through at night on horseback burned down homes, threw explosives in the nearby buildings. That's terrorism. According to archives reported by the Gainesville News, 
and Dallanega Nugget. The violence continued until nearly all of the county's black population was forced to flee. So they did this to the entire county. According to Blood at the Root, a racial cleansing in America, a book written by Patrick Phillips and published in 2016, the county's black residents fled in all directions, but the majority made their way to Hall County. The black residents of Fort South County were forced to, st forced to start over, securing jobs and opening businesses where they could in Gainesville. And those who owned land in Forsyth no longer felt, felt safe coming back to claim what was theirs. Now, what lies beyond Lake Lanier? Moving forward nearly 40 years, the black population of Forsyth remained low. Through the process of prepping for Lake Lanier, the U.S. government acquired the rights to more than 56,000 acres of land in Forsyth, Hall, and Dawson counties to make room for the 38,000-acre lake and more than 700 miles of shoreline. So all them black folks that own land deserve reparations. Their descendants own deserve reparations, and they didn't get it. This included several communities, most of which concealed a farmland. Robert David Coffin, the author of storybook site, The Early History and Construction of Buford Dam, and a former park ranger on the site, said the construction of Buford Dam was originally placed in planned in Roswell. It was later moved to Forsyth County because the area was more rural at the time. The acquisition of much of the land did not go smoothly. Coughlin said many families in North Georgia held their land close to their heart as it had been passed down from generation to generation. So they wanted to keep the land. Now the black folks was ran off their land, but they wanted to keep their land. Some refused to leave their land despite generous payments offered by the government. And at least one resident had to be physically removed by force. These removals did not seem to be targeted towards black landowners at the time. Well, there probably wasn't any black owners back then. Records suggest that black residents did, however, lose their land they once owned in Forsyth after they were driven out of the county after 1912. Now, this is the guy that I told you had this book, Elliot Jaspin. According to Elliot Jaspin, a historian and a journalist quoted by the Digital Library of Georgia and the New Encyclopedia, New Georgia Encyclopedia, only about 24 of the nearly 40 black landowners in Forsyth County at the time were able to sell their land. The other properties have no record of sale, and some believe the abandoned land was taken by white, white residents, of course. Today, Lake Lanier provides water to the metro Atlanta area and draws more than 10 million visitors to its shores each year. Most of the shoreline is in Hall County, though it also borders Dawson, Forsyth, and Gwinnett counties. It is Georgia's most popular lake and also sees several drownings in a typical year, earning it a reputation for being dangerous and deadly. There you go. There's another web, another quick article real quick, where it talks about the relative of Oscarville resident shares history behind the city beneath Lake Lanier. Let's see if we can't get a, okay, when this, okay, let's see if we can't get a little, a little video. Let's see if we can't get one before we close out. Story on you at 5.30. We are taking a closer look at an all-black town in Georgia called Oscarville. Yeah, there's been a lot of talk about this on social media for the last few years. And if you haven't heard of it, it's probably because it no longer exists. It's buried under Lake Lanier. 11 Alive's Latasha Givens has more. 
When we started working on this story, we set out to track down descendants of Oscarville. Weeks later, we found a family who could trace back their roots four generations. They shared with us stories that were handed down about what the all black town was like, including the night that led to its destruction. It was set on fire by night riders after they say a white woman was raped. Then later, it was covered by the body of water we now know as Lake Lanier. May Crow is buried here at this Gainesville Cemetery, but the trail of destruction following her death stretches into the land surrounding Forsyth County, buried beneath these waves of Lake Lanier, where in 1912, nearly every black resident was forced out. That includes people living in an old black town called Oscarville. Now, the community was formed. Now, while people running around with this people of color BS, Ain't no folks been treated like our folks. Ain't nobody been ran out of town in these last hundred and some years. Our folks done got ran out of town, built the country and got ran out of town. They don't have the claim that we have. In the late 1800s during the reconstruction era. There was a very strong community feeling among the blacks. About 300 kids, children, that um, went to some of the schools that were the black schools. Um, and it was uh, closely connected to the churches. Georgia history teacher Lisa Crosby says Oscarville was a thriving black community full of. Now you see why they want to remove this from the history books of what our folks went through and what we built. And you notice when they said they left town, we couldn't go to any other country. We didn't flee. Like you got some of these folks to come from other countries. And then when they get over here and they start building their self up and they get support from the government, they start talking about, Oh, we did it all on our own and you Negroes. Um, you know, y'all been here 400 years and can't get it together. It was folks like this that built the basis and the foundation for those folks to come over here because you still be back where you're at if it wasn't for them. And then they try to erase the history of what we did. Carpenters, blacksmiths, and bricklayers, but farming was the top trade. So they really had kind of a miraculous farming growth here while the rest of the state was really struggling. But then residents- You hear that? So in this area, they, were, they had the farming popping and the rest of the state was having issues trying to farm. They had a luxurious farm economic base. ...forced off their land. Now the flashpoint, I think, is 1912. This takes us back to the death of May Crow. The 19-year-old white woman was found dead in the woods near Oscarville, presumably after being raped. Typically, the answer to white girls being raped was go to the black community and just start blaming people. By nightfall, See? terror began to reign over Oscarville. So from there, um, the rage and hatred in the community, um, mobs got together and they were called night riders. And so they knew that this wasn't no brother that did this. They knew that. And this happened, they... A lot of times these stories get played off as like, oh, it was just a one-off or whatever. This happened every, when they call it a, a race riot. No, these were racial expulsions, racial cleansing. Rosewood. Every single place where black folks had it popping in all these states and these cities all across the nation, 
this all happened around the 1900s. So you're telling me that rape that, that a bunch of niggas was just running around raping white women in the early 1900s at the same damn time. And they burned all these cities down and made all the black folks leave. No white lady right here. Just told you, man, you just blame the black folks ran them out of town. They were, um, riding throughout Oscarville and driving out the black community. And the night turned deadly. You know, they were waking up by fires outside, um, uh, firebombs thrown in the church. Filmmaker Bob Mackey recaptures those horrific nights in an upcoming television series. Any time anything happened, guess where everyone would go? To the church. Well, they attacked the church. People were hung, uh, lynched. Mackey's series features stories of direct descendants like George Rucker, who can trace his family back four generations to Oscarville. He tells the story of his great-grandfather, Bert Oliver, and the entire family being forced off their land. Fair use, fair Night use. Riders came through. They had to leave everything. The main thing they left was property. My grandfather had a hundred acres. Rucker says A hundred acres. This was a hundred acres that we were supposed to have anyway. Shout out to Sherm, to, to, to special order 15, you know, but man, you know what I'm saying? And they got that on their own. Died as they tried to flee. So when they got to the Chattahoochee river, from what I understand, they were told when the mob got up on the bridge, they were told that they either had to swim or drown. Most of them, didn't make it. My grandfather, one of them that did make it, he lost some brothers and sisters. He says his relatives who survived settled in Gainesville. What my mother told. So they told them, jump in that water, swim or drown. That is some demonic stuff. This is this this is Carolyn Bryant. That's why I bring this back. Don't be twerking on no damn cop cars. I'm not saying this from the Negro spiritual plantation. Oh, well, you know, the baby dies. And no, there's a reason why you shouldn't be twerking on them damn cop cars. There's a reason. I don't think I need to explain it any further. When they buried Oliver, he would sit and tell her this story, and uh, he would just sit and cry. Crosby says whites in the area took over the remaining properties. She says Oscarville farmers were specifically skilled in raising poultry, which set the pace for Gainesville eventually becoming poultry capital of the world. Tyson Foods. Farm already going, and you had free land, so you just take it. Rucker says his great Hold on. which set the pace for Gainesville eventually Listen to this. becoming poultry capital of the world. You have a farm already going, and you had free land. So he just take it. Rucker says his great grandfather married his second wife, Beulah, and they built this school that still stands in Gainesville today. By the late 1950s, the Buford Dam was built and Lake Lanier was formed, covering up Oscarville and swallowing most of its history. Many believe Lake Lanier is haunted because of the high number of drownings. We spoke to officials who tell us because there is an entire town that includes structures and even forest areas with trees that are 60 feet tall, it makes it more difficult to navigate through and someone can easily become trapped in debris, leading them to drowning. Man, I'm telling you, ancestors might have rose up and grabbed their ass 
So there you go. I'm going to cover one more case and then we'll continue. There was a, I didn't get to go through my tech stuff. We'll do that next time. But there's a case and I'm not hearing anything from Black Lives Matter and not hearing anything from Blue Lives Matter. Ariana Preston, off-duty Chicago uh, police officer. This sister here was killed. Let me see what I can find on her. The news ain't the, the news ain't covering it. Let me see if I can get her name in there. Ari, want to get her name right? Ari. Okay, here, here, here we go. No charges. This is eight hours ago. Let's let's look at this. Still no word tonight on charges in the fatal shooting of CPD officer Ariana Preston. We have learned that Chicago police have detained several people as investigators try to determine what led to this tragic shooting. CBS 2 investigator Megan Hickey joins us live now from the 5th District Police Station with the latest on the investigation. Megan. Right, Joe, we know several people were taken into custody around 7.30 on Sunday, and police generally have 48 hours to bring charges from that point, but there are some exceptions. Really? Police escorted Officer Ariana Preston's body from the medical examiner's office to a funeral home in Oak Lawn as her community, loved ones, and police family wait for word on official charges. Legal expert Irv Miller tells me the period before potential charges are filed can be the most crucial and time-consuming. Typically, it's DNA. They're trying to match up DNA, uh, and that does take some time. There's also the issue of possible ballistics testing that has to be done, but that can be done relatively quickly. He explained that Chicago police can hold someone in excess of 48 hours, but a special duty judge would have to review evidence and approve the extension. 24-year-old Preston was shot and killed early Saturday morning as she was returning home from her shift in the 5th District. More than 30 minutes after a shot spotter alert and about 15 minutes after an alert was sent from Preston's Apple Watch, police found the critically wounded officer in front of her Avalon Park home. Neighbors told us they're still stunned by what happened. Avalon Park, hold on. Chicago According folks, where's Avalon reports, Park? Hold on, where is that? Is that on the south side? Where's Avalon Park? She finished her shift. It's a neighborhood in Chicago. Avalon Park. Boundaries of 76th Street to the north, south Chicago Avenue to the east, 87th Street to the south. The community area of neighborhoods, Avalon Park, Marinook, Stony Island Park, okay. 97% black, okay. Muhammad Ali stayed there at one point. Okay. Hmm. Looking for a map. I want to know where this is at. Oh, okay. Avalon Park. Okay, so it looks like it's kind of by the, sh the South Shore area. 87. Okay. So it looks like she stayed, you know, she stayed around her, her folks. It looks like she stayed in the hood. Chicago's huge, man. Stony Island, okay. I don't know, man. This sound this, this sounds like somebody might have known her. I don't know. CPD surveillance teams were monitoring a possible suspect who got into an Uber near 76th and Bishop. I just start screaming. I'm just an Uber driver. I, I mean, I don't know what's going on. The driver told CBS2 that two of his passengers were taken into custody around 7:30 p.m. on Sunday. 
Other suspects connected to the shooting were also taken into custody near the same intersection in Auburn Gresham after a SWAT standoff in a building. Meanwhile, the shooting suspects are also linked to at least one armed robbery that occurred before the shooting. Uh-oh. So now this sound, was, was, I'm starting to wonder, was this a carjacking? Were they trying to abduct, abduct her? Because they found them at Auburn Gresham. Sister was getting ready to graduate next week with a master's from La Jolla, uh, La Jolla School of Law. Off code. Off code. Um, not, I ain't heard no word from Black Lives Matter. I ain't heard no word from Blue Lives Matter. So I don't know, man. I don't know. Well, we'll cover more soon. That's what we're going to do. We'll, we'll cover more another time. Don't twerk on the cop cars. It's dangerous. Over and out.